Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hey, how are we feeling? No, I need it better. How are we feeling tonight? How are we doing? We're doing good? All right, I need y'all to picture this. I'm going to create an image. Six foot two, six pack abs, tall, dark, handsome, athletic. Now, let me go ahead and spoil this for you guys. I'm not talking about me. Right, I know, I know, it's hard to tell sometimes. But what I am talking about is my wife's type. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, oh my God. Here's the thing. Let me be honest with you guys right now. In every way possible, I am not possibly my wife's type. I'm just not. I remember this because... Uh, years ago when we first met, I was, I was leading worship at, at this leadership thing. Yes, I can play guitar. No, I'm not as good as Kevin. And, and uh, I, I was leading, and, and I saw this, this beautiful young woman on the front row just worshiping Jesus. And I said, oh, hello there. <laughs> like in the middle of singing, I was like, hello. I was like, oh, that's not part of the, I was like, hey, Jesus. And so, and so I, I saw her, and I decided I wanted to, to pursue her a little bit. I was, I was going to pursue her and, and, and try to go on a date, and, and like I'd show up at, at like parties that she was at, or I'd show up at Bible studies she was at, even like the all-girl ones. I was like, oh, crazy, why are you here? It's, I know it comes off as stalkerish. I promise you it's more sweet than anything else, but uh, it's not. It's stalkerish. But finally, I, I mustered up the courage, and I asked her out on a coffee date. Uh, we still fight about this date because she doesn't think it counts. Um, but I remember walking into Jittery Joe's in Athens, Georgia. Come on, three of you know that place. Get out of here. And so uh, we, we meet at Jittery Joe's, and, and we're meeting there, and I'll never forget, because she was wearing this gorgeous, this beautiful gray sweatshirt and baggy gray sweatpants and this beautiful set of organic chemistry books, which I found out later. She wasn't even taking that class. <laughs> she just literally picked up the biggest books she could find and put them on this table that, that we were uh, meeting at, and and it turns out, she did not want that to be a date. Here's the thing. I'm not what they call smart. And so I had no idea that she didn't, she wasn't into me. I was like, of course she's into me. Look, it's, it's me. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's, here's what she would tell you. If she was here on stage, she would tell you, no, it, it was not like that, Emilio. What, I just wasn't in a place where I wanted to be in a relationship, which is a lie because weeks later we started to actually be in a relationship. I was not her type. I didn't fit this mold that she created, and, and here's what I did. I, I just broke it. I broke the mold. You see, I, got, I took those, that, that, that stack of books, and I threw them off the table, metaphorically. I was in a public place. Don't get crazy. Jesus can do that in a temple. I can't do that in a coffee shop, but, but I, I radically changed the view, her view of what her type was. I, I obviously, I'm not six foot two, though sometimes I wear cowboy boots that I'm closer, uh, but through, through a sense of humor, through making her laugh, through pursuing her, 
through pointing her to Jesus, she saw something different in me and realized, I, I want that. That's my type. You see, what I did was I radically changed her perception of what her type is. And if you look on the screen, it says radical. What we're going to do for the next six weeks, for the next six weeks, we're going to be in a series that we're calling Radical. And, and we're going to kind of model after what Jeff Norris and the church is doing. They're talking about radical dependence, these radical prayers being rooted, flourishing. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to talk about radical. So let me tell you what radical means. Here's the definition for radical. Radical means essentially of change or action relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something. So as far as my relationship with, with my wife goes, what I did was her fundament, fundamental nature of, of her type, who she thought she would marry, I radically changed because I'm a radical person. No, that's not true at all. I'm just funny. Stop it. You guys are make me blush on stage. Now, here's what a radical person is. Here's what a radical person is. A radical person is someone who promotes radical change. That makes sense. A radical person is someone who promotes a radical change. It's someone who, who takes the norm and then flips it around. I'll give you an example of a radical person. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the deal. Listen, because think about this. And think about this. Everything that Jesus did was radical. The fact that he left the right hand of God to come down to earth was radical. The fact that he came to serve the least was radical. That he hung out with lepers and people in poverty, people who were sick, people who were quote-unquote sinners, instead of the religious leaders or the kings and the princes, that was radical. The fact that he tells people, hey, you want to follow me? That's great. But you have to die to yourself and then be born again was radical. And people did it. Because I think deep down we want to follow a radical person. We want to follow Jesus. Whether you're in here and you do, or you're in here and you don't, I believe you want to follow Jesus because he's radical. But here's why this whole idea of radical is a big deal. Here's why we're talking about it for the next six weeks. It's because we live in a world that is constantly changing. If, if being radical is, is turning something around and, and having a complete change, it's hard to do that in the world today because the world is constantly changing. We live in a broken world, a world that it won't allow itself to be the same, a world that looks at you and me and says, because we have a certain view, we're wrong, or it, it makes fun of the, our, our views, our opinions, our looks, what we do, what we say. The fact that we go to church on a Sunday night or you come to something on a Wednesday night, or that you have breakfast at 6 o'clock in the morning, in the name of Jesus, the world is broken. Broken people living in a broken world as a result of the fall. It's constantly changing. And what we do, our tendency, is to just kind of sit there and wait. Wait for what? I would argue that I think we're waiting for Jesus. We're waiting for God to do something. And we just sit there and we wait. Wait. 
But tonight, tonight I want to tell you, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait because we can have a radical relationship with God today. So I'm going to read Psalm 62 verses 1 through 8. They're going to be on the screen. I'm going to read these verses and we're going to pull three points from it. Three points from these eight verses. It says, for God alone my soul waits in silence, and from him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Here's my first point. That a radical relationship is personal. A radical relationship is personal. Here's, here's the psalmist. He's writing and immediately he talks about the season that he's in that he's waiting. He's waiting. Oh God, for you my soul waits. And I feel like we can, we can uh, relate to that because I think we're waiting. I've already told you I think we're waiting. He says my soul waits. But then he does this and we're going to get back to this whole waiting thing a little bit later in my talk. I promise we're going to get there. But he uses this language as he's writing this psalm he says, God is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my salvation. He is my refuge. See, here's a man who in his waiting is, is being attacked by the world. But he's claiming in this beautiful, he's proclaiming, my God is my fortress, he is my refuge. He's a man who's crying out, not just that God might protect him from the arrows being shot at him, but he's a man that's crying out to the one who loves him, who desires him, who cares for him, who is there for him. He knows that even in this waiting, God has his back. I, I, I think about this, this idea of like a, a cub, a, little, a baby cub, the cute little cub. And I, I, sometimes I watch like Planet Earth because don't tell my wife, but sometimes I do like science. And so I'm watching Planet Earth and there's this one about bears and, and, and there's this cub. And cubs are so curious. They get into everything. Like they, they get into like the beehives. It's like Winnie the Pooh and they just get their head in the beehive. And we're like, oh, that's adorable. But he's getting stung like crazy. But, or he'll go into the river and he's just kind of, he's just trying it out. Or, or then, then the mountain lion comes and he comes at the cub because he sees dinner. And that cub is like, what are you going to do? And here's why the cub acts this way. The cub does why, what he wants to do, why he's so curious. Because he knows that the most dangerous animal in the jungle is his mama. He knows all the moms in this room are like, mm-hmm, you don't mess with mama. And so then he runs back you know, behind mama and goes, what are you going to do now, mountain lion? And the mountain lion's like, I'm going to turn around. And so he does. And the, the cub lives to bother mountain lion another day. We do the same thing. We can do the same thing. If we have a personal relationship with God, a radical personal 
relationship with him. We can run to him. We can, we can go to him when we're struggling. In our hurts, in our pains, in our stress, in our depression, in our anxiety, we can go to him. And not just for the sake of, of him uh, taking things away, although he can. Not for the sake of him healing, though he can. But because of what it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this. It says, cast your anxieties because he cares for you. He has your back. He has your back, and we can go to him. Point number two, a radical relationship points to truth. Let me tell you all right now, the truth I'm talking about is Jesus. A radical relationship will point you to Jesus. The reason my wife ended up being attracted to me is because I pointed her to Jesus. You see, the, the, the psalmist writes about these attacks, this desire to knock him off his perch, and he uses the language of, of a leaning wall or, or a tottering fence. Have you ever stood on a fence that's, that's not stable? You're going to fall. If you're not going to fall, come talk to me because your name is Spider-Man. You're going to fall. And he uses this language, and, and I think for us, we need to think about this in our life because, again, going back to the world, the world is going to attack you, and one of the ways that the world attacks is by lying to you. Is by lying to you. Because what the world likes to say is, hey, if you want to truly live, then you should drink on the weekends. You should smoke. You should sleep with your girlfriend. You should go to those websites. You should fight, lie, deceive. You should do all these things now. Because then eventually, like after you're done, like after high school, after you've truly lived, then you can become a Christian. And those are lies. Because when you're thinking about offense, there's two sides to offense. And on one side is, is the side that the world wants to knock you down. This world that not only lies to you, but is sending you to a place that eternally separates you from God the Father. And the other side is life to the full. Because Jesus is the truth. And in John 14, 6, he is clear as day. He says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. Because the other truth, on top of the fact that he is the truth and the way and the life, is the truth that Jesus does not believe you can be on the fence. You can't have your toes in on Sunday and say, I love Jesus, and then on Friday say, I love the world. You've got to be all in on one side or the other. But Jesus says, if you want to experience life, life to the full, life to the best that I can give you, come on my side. We think that maybe we can be good enough, and we, we can't be good enough. We think that if we're good people, if we're nice, if we do the right thing, that, that will put us on the right side of the fence, and, and that's not true. It's only through Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with the truth. I remember about six years ago, I was, I was at my parents' house, and we were in the kitchen. I just laid my, my daughter down, uh, my oldest down for bed, and it was just me and my wife and my mom. My dad wasn't back from work. And my mom decided that was going to be the moment she wanted to have a theological conversation with me. I said, bold move, Mama Hood. And she begins to ask me these questions. 
about what I believe because in, in her mind, I represent the evangelical church. So she goes, well, uh, you know, who are, who are you to say that, 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 that only Christians can go to heaven? And I just laughed. And she's like, why are you laughing? I was like, I didn't say that. I was like, Jesus said that. That's not, that's not my word. She goes, Jesus didn't say that. And I read John 14, 6. She goes, oh, okay, but, but so now you're telling me. And then it gets real. She throws my dad into it. She goes, so you're telling me that your dad, who has loved you every second of your life, who has cared for you, who has nurtured you, who, is, uh, who has never harmed a fly, who is giving of his time, giving of his money, giving his resources, your dad, who is as good a person as there is, but doesn't believe he needs a savior. You believe your dad is going to hell. And I had to look my mom in the eyes and say, yeah. The truth is hard, but it is the truth. Because you wanna spend eternity with, with God? You have to have a radical relationship with Jesus first. You have to know the truth. And though it's hard, and in this waiting, it seems even harder. Let me share my third point, my final truth. That God desires a radical relationship with you. That's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus from the right hand of the throne to live amongst us, to die on a cross for you and for me, to be resurrected so that we can live on the right side of the fence, so that we can live in eternity with him. Why? Because he loves you. Because he looks at us and says, you aren't good enough. You can't be good enough. But I love you too much. So I'm gonna send my son who is perfect. I'm going to send my son who is going to die for you, who's going to wrap you with his righteousness, who's going to let you in. See, I'm I'm going to send my son to you. And guys, it's it's hard because in a lot of ways I feel like we are waiting this series that, that we're going to be in about radical, a lot of it is going to center around prayer. And we're talking about radical relationship, uh, being personal and, and pointing to the truth. But let's be honest, sometimes it's hard because a lot of us in here, we pray and we wait and we wait and we wait and we feel like God doesn't hear us. And because we think he doesn't hear us, we think he doesn't care. I have a, a friend of mine Ryan Stringfield, a lot of y'all might know, and I got a chance to work with him for a number of years, but before I knew him, back in the early 2000s, he was arrested, and at that time was the largest drug bust in the state, in the history of the state of Georgia. And he spent three years in prison. He was a convicted felon. But while he was in prison, he had, he began a radical relationship with Jesus. And when he got out, Perimeter Church very wisely hired him. He created this ministry called Pathways, this ministry for, for teens who are dealing with all types of hurts, addiction, depression, pain. If you're dealing with it, he'd love to meet you. And so he created this ministry here at Perimeter Church. And while he was working here, he met this beautiful woman named Pam. And, and they began dating and they fell in love and, and they got married. And soon after getting married, they began praying 
about having kids because they felt called to be parents. And they kept trying and trying and nothing happened. She wasn't getting pregnant. So they went, they saw the doctor, and, and the doctor had to share a hard truth with them that there was a good chance they would never have kids. Not that way. But not giving up, feeling called to be parents, they, they started going through the adoption process. But Ryan was a convicted felon. And when that's on your application, it doesn't get past the front desk. Because the state of Georgia isn't going to just give a kid to a convicted felon. They're not hearing his testimony, how Jesus has worked in him. They just see the stamp on the sheet of paper. They even tried a private adoption where they, they found a woman, a, a young woman who was pregnant and was willing to have the baby and, and, and give them the baby. And they were in the delivery room and they saw this beautiful boy be born. And then they saw when the mom fell in love with that baby boy and, and by the grace of God decided to keep him. But they were left heartbroken, devastated, still waiting. We see in, in, in that time that they were waiting, and I'll tell you this, when we're waiting in our most desperate times, that's when we can actually get closer to God. That's when we can fall on our knees and pray. Pray that he would hear us. Pray that he would answer us. Pray boldly. That's what Ryan did. He came to, to me and to Rip and some other guys that we were working with at the time, and, and we came to this prayer meeting and you know, I asked the question, like, hey, how can I pray for you? And, and Ryan said, we want kids. And he shared the story, and, and we prayed boldly. We prayed boldly. He said, God, we pray that you would give kids to Ryan and to Pam this year. We prayed boldly. We were specific in our prayers. And we said amen, and we kind of left it at that. A few months later, I was upstairs in the office, and I get a phone call from Ryan. He, his ministry became its own nonprofit, and I was here working with Watershed. And he calls me and he goes, hey, you remember that time we, we prayed? I was like, you got to be more specific. I work in ministry. <laughs> he goes, no, when we prayed for me to have a kid. And all of a sudden I got excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, dude, like an adoption thing worked out? He goes, no. I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> so Pam's pregnant. And now they have two beautiful boys. Let me be clear, for their story, they waited and they prayed and God answered them the way that they wanted, the way that they, they, they desired. In our waiting, in our praying, God might not answer the way that you want. I want to be clear about that. He doesn't owe you anything. But he has given us everything. Jesus. And the psalmist, as he's writing, as he's talking about who he's waiting for, he's waiting for the Messiah to come. We can sit here because he already has. We don't have to wait for the Messiah because he has lived among us and he has died for us. And he desires a relationship with you and with me. He desires a personal relationship with us. He wants to point us to truth, to point us to himself and the best part of it is, he desires us. He wants us. Even when we turn our backs, even when we don't want him, he wants us. What are you going to do with that? Let me encourage you tonight, as, as you go back into your groups, as you meet with your friends, with your D group leader, 
Be open about where you are in your relationship with Jesus. And then tonight, if, if anything I've said here is stirring something in you, where maybe you realize, I, I don't have a radical relationship, but I'm waiting. Would you know that tonight you don't have to wait? That you can start a personal radical relationship with Jesus tonight? Would you go to your group, to your leader, and say, hey, tonight I, I, want, I want what Emilio talked about. I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to, to live this radical life that I'm hearing about. Tonight, would you be so bold to do that? Would you, would you be unashamed? Would you start a relationship tonight? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you yourself are radical and that we get to follow you. Jesus, I pray for my friends in here that tonight that they would leave here radically dependent on you, that they would leave here just different, that they would leave here radically transformed because of what you have done for us. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the glory. In your name we pray, amen.